On this episode, we put the Platinum Games classic Vanquish under the magnifying glass and start it on fire. Why does the hero slide all over the place? What games did the creative team make before working with Platinum? And how did America get its first female president? Find out on Sega Talk. Megabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Sega Talk. I'm Barry, with me is George. And we are going to be sliding and shooting and ducking for cover all over the place on this episode because we are talking about a Platinum Games classic. But before we get to that, just want to give a shout out to our Patreon audience. That's right. You guys are the reason that we keep this crazy show going. We are four episodes away from episode 100. It's it's kind of mad, as they say in, in Britain. Um, crazy as they say over here. What do you think about that, George? We're almost to 100. I feel like I've been waiting to do, like, I think I decided what episode we're going to do for episode 100, like, way back, like, 70 episodes. I was like, in 100, I have a, I already know what I'm going to do. I, I think I've talked about it in past episodes. I'm not going to say what it, the game is. I'll leave it right. a surprise, obviously, but we have talked about it, and I'm pretty excited for episode 100, and I hope everyone yeah. is too. Yeah, me too. And on this episode, we are actually returning to the Platinum Games well. And it surprises me because, you know, we've, nearing 100 episodes, we've already talked Bayonetta. Yeah. We've talked, um, I'm trying to think what else we've Anarchy talked Reigns. about. Uh, Anarchy Reigns. We've done Mad World. So we're going to be talking about Vanquish, which I'm glad we are because there's only, I guess, two, maybe two or three Platinum Games titles left that we could really cover and this is a big one. I'm actually surprised that it took us this long to get to it. Uh, this game, of course, developed by Platinum Games, published by Sega, and fully owned by Sega. Um, it is a third-person shooter for the PS3 and Xbox 360, and this released October 12th, 2010 in North America, October 21st in Japan, and on the 22nd of that same month in Europe. And the game was inspired some say, by 2006's Gears of War, but of course uh, it has the Platinum Games flavor and uh, I think the true influence is something that's going to surprise a lot of people. But before we get to that, George, what is your history with Vanquish and what was it like covering this game uh, as Sagabits was uh, born? It was kind of weird because it kind of felt at the time that it was overshadowed by how Bayonetta was like everyone was so excited for Bayonetta when it came out and it was weird that they kind of did these two games kind of back to back and yeah. I felt like Bayonetta being so flamboyant being so in your face with their sexuality and made people talk about that game a lot and this one is like if you just see pictures of it you're like this is kind of generic robot shooting game that's like Gears of War and it's actually not it, it, it's uh, very much different from Gears of War it's a more arcadey feel to it like they even get you in trouble for taking cover so th that's totally different than uh, gears of war like they take away your score um i will say covering it it was interesting because it was like 
It was the I think we talked about this last time the, the Sega Day or whatever they used to do. The last Sega right. Day they were supposed to uh, show everyone in the United States Bayonetta and Vanquish, but I guess they leaked them early in the UK or something, so they never showed it to us in person. Hmm. So when I went to Sega, they kind of everyone was talking about these games, but like Sega was not showing it at that event to us in That's the US. So that was kind of weird, yeah. Outside of that, I mean, I uh, got a copy early. That was cool. That's probably like the one perk we used to have. And, and back then, it was just like one day early because they used to ship you physical copies. Right. And like the earliest they would ship, ship you a copy would be like a day or sometimes you got lucky in a couple days. Right. Yeah, they would ship them out like the Thursday or Friday before. Give it the weekend. It might arrive on Monday or Tuesday. And then it's like... You still got to get a review up, yeah. <laughs> you know. For this um, game, and that's why I definitely yeah. went all the way through it. It's not that long. That's actually one of the negatives right. about the game is its length for a lot of people. But right. Yeah. What about your history? Um, for me, it was uh, it was one of the first games I really um, played. Getting back into like modern Sega games, I've said on past shows that I was really more of like I wouldn't even call myself a retro gamer. I was just playing what I owned. Like, do you remember those days when, like, before everything was, like, bucketed and it was like, oh, you're playing Dreamcast games all the time? That's because you're a retro gamer. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no. I own a Dreamcast and a PlayStation 2, and that's it. And, like, you got to remember, 20, 2010, like, uh, Sonic Unleashed, when did that release? 2008. That had a PlayStation 2 port. And so I was playing, like, modern Sonic games as late as 2008 on on hardware that is really considered like Dreamcast era. So that's, to me, the Dreamcast was not old then, by 2010. Like, it was, you know, it was obsolete, but it wasn't an old console to me. I mean, graphics on there were just as old. Here's the thing, and this is why I bring it up. Graphics on the Dreamcast in 2010 were just as old as graphics in Vanquish are in 2022. Think about that. I would say that... I don't know. It's kind of it's weird, though, because I do feel like, as a present, I mean, there's obviously, like, the backgrounds and stuff are, like, way worse. But, like, something about this game that artistically still holds up in some ways. I don't know if you yeah. played it recently, because I, right. I played it when the 10th anniversary came out. And mm -hmm. I was, like, surprised at how I was still, like, awestruck when you do the, like, the slow-mo and then, like, the colors change, the hues change in the color. I, that was one of my favorite things. You see all the things ricocheted, and it's I, I love it. That that was my favorite bit about this. But oh yeah, no, it's absolutely beautiful, and that's the big thing too. Is that there's really been so many advancements in video game graphics that stuff in 2010, you just give it an, a 4K release and HD upgrade, and what was a like AAA title back then is now like maybe like a, a middle grade title now that's just like really good looking, but not up to the to like the um, like Last of Us standards or oh, no. Uncharted standards, you know that's ridiculous. Um, uh, like exactly, yeah. like I don't think a lot of even even modern games go up that high. Like I don't think you have to be like I'm watching a movie. Sometimes you could just you know play a game. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was pretty much my history with Vanquish. I, I I don't think I was great at the game, but I really enjoyed what I did play. And of course, I revisited it for a bit for this episode. Um, I want to talk about the plot here, and when I was doing the notes, I originally put a very short version of the plot that I typed out, and then as I finished the notes, I realized... No. Like, 
Well, the plot section would have taken like two minutes, and then we would have moved on. And 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 honestly, like story and characters in this game is so light, I might as well just leak the entire plot here. Okay. So, uh, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, uh, so it's the near future. Earth's human population. Uh, is burgeoning to the point where nations are fighting for scarce resources. Sound like anything going on right now? Uh, The United States of America attempts to alleviate energy problems by launching uh, SCO-1 Providence, a space colony using a solar energy microwave transmitter to provide them with an alternative source. However, the government of the Russian Federation has been overthrown in a coup by a section of the military calling themselves the Order of the Russian Star, and they capture the satellite and use the microwave transmitter to devastate San Francisco. And uh, the, I guess the villain of the game, his name's Viktor Zaitsev. He is a Russian Star agent, and he demands that the American government surrender or he will target New York City next. Uh, the president of the United States, her name's Eliz- Elizabeth Winters, oh. sent Lieutenant Colonel Robert Burns to infiltrate the station along with his Bravo company, uh, an army of space re- marines. And this is where you, the player, come in. Your name is Sam Gideon. You are a Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency soldier, or DARPA. Get used to DARPA. Um, equipped with the prototype ARS suit which is a cutting-edge battle suit outfitted for, with a vast array of functions, which we'll get into when we talk about gameplay. Um, he is assisted by Elena Ivanova uh, aboard the SBC-2 command ship. So she's kind of like his little like voice in his ear, I guess. Um, the mission gives DARPA the perfect chance to test the suit, and Winters gives classified orders to Sam to rescue the scientist Dr. Francois, Francois Candide, whom Zaitsev has kidnapped. While Sam and Burns infiltrate the Providence, Candide disables the microwave. What do you think of the plot so far? It sounds pretty... I mean, it's, it's a light plot, you know what I mean? And it, I mean, it all makes sense. I mean, they kind of try to take some... Like, what they thought the near future was going to be for us, which I think... If you follow history, it was pretty obvious that Russia was about to do some naughty stuff, you know what I mean? I think we've right. all been kind of waiting for it, you know? And I think they did right. a, a pretty good job, you know? Usually, like, I don't think anyone played Vanquish for the story, really, though. I, I mean, but I think they did a good enough job, and it was almost kind of, it reminds me of, I know, and a lot of people back then also compared these two games from Sega, but Binary Domain with its... uh hit story absolutely how you were surprised you're like wow that didn't know the that's kind of interesting take on this whole like near future you know so yeah absolutely I, I, yeah i think um, binary domain did a little bit better with the whole climate change stuff but yeah <laughs> yeah um i mean for me the plot at least up to this point um it's interesting i guess it's unique i guess the problem is though that not just within sega with like binary domain but just games in general at this time I feel like the Metal Gear Solid games coming out, they all just... Like, sure, if you're a fan of this stuff, you're going to know the story and the characters and be able to differentiate them. But, like, for the general audiences looking at this, like... I mean, on the cover, it definitely does not read as, like, Metal Gear. um, Unless we're talking about Platinum Games' take on Metal Gear, right? Yeah. Um, uh, But I guess it's a little deceiving, because when you look at this... And even when you look at the teaser trailer, which we'll watch kind of actually towards the end of this, 
you don't think booting this up that you're going to get an ultra realistic look at San Francisco being microwaved alive. And and I had a, yeah. I had a question for you since you're a designer and I usually ask you design questions. What do you think about that cover? Like, um, there's something that like even Marvel doesn't like doing. It's showing characters with their mask on because it says like people don't find it like attra- I don't know if I would say attractive or I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but like I guess so- they don't seek the product more if you you know what I mean if you see the guy that plays Iron Man without his mask on like always on the posters right. I'm surprised you know, they didn't have him smoking or something to be more Metal Gear you know I feel they do that because of the actors the actors want to have their presence be known and it's like you are earning money off of Iron Man 3 because of Robert Downey Jr. not because of the design of the Iron Man mask you know I mean that's why I, I think if any, I give the Mandalorian right. so much credit. You know what I mean? Because they just stuck with the mask. I'm surprised. That's all. Yeah. Right, and also even, and I'd give DC credit too for their Batman films. Like, it's always about the Batman costume, and the actor kind of comes second. Like, as long as the actor looks good in the costume, they're gonna, like, uh, what's his name? Um, the new Batman. He's like in the costume almost exclusively in all the marketing. And even in the movie, he's Batman more than he's Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Um, I think here, though, I think they did a good... It's smart because I think this looks a lot more appealing than just some random white guy head popping out of the top, especially when, I believe, when we did our... um, What episode? We we did uh, Binary Domain, but we did another one recently, right? Where it was like rando white guy I just feel like they all kind of there was a time when Sega were doing like military shaved head guys um uh, oh um the spy RPG espionage RPG um alpha protocol alpha protocol so I feel like Sam Gideon alpha protocol dude and then binary domain dude they all kind of run together for me and this is within the same publisher yeah so (laughs) I think it's smart that they they kept the mask on um now here's the spoiler section of the story. So uh, Sam reaches the microwave station. Candide tells Sam that Burns and Winters have betrayed the United States before oh. being killed by Burns. Burns tells Sam that he will change the microwave's target to Moscow under Winters' orders, explaining that the city's destruction as an economic stimulus package. Uh, Sam defeats Burns, who orders him to escape. Burns uses the bomb in his bionic arm to kill himself and the remaining Bravo Company troops. Zaitsev tells Sam that Winters had secretly supported the Order of the Russian Star, but she betrayed them by using the coup as a pretext to declare war on Russia. He claims that he intends to use it to cement American hegemony. Hegemony. <laughs> Hegemony. Um, it's one of those words I always read but never say. Yeah, Worldwide. nobody says that word. Hegemony. <laughs> um, and that the Order preemptively attacked the station as retribution. Sam defeats two slave units and learns that Zaitsev was controlling them remotely. Zaitsev activates a tactical nuke inside the remaining suit to destroy Providence and prevent anyone from reclaiming it. Sam boards an escape pod and survives the explosion reuniting with Elena on their ship Zaitsev escapes as well and is congratulated by his superiors for accomplishing the mission and for being told to move on to the next phase of the plan Winters commits suicide after realizing that Sam has enough evidence to make her being charged with high treason and there Um, was no resolution technically right right except for 
the ca- Winters committing suicide basically in the end. Right. <laughs> I mean, she was a tree. She did betray our so, country. I don't. I mean, it's kind of a twist you kind of see coming. I feel yeah. like we saw this happen actually in another Platinum Games title in uh, Anarchy Reigns. Remember that towards the end wasn't the twist that one of the guys is actually a bad guy. I think so, and not only that, like. When I played this game, I, I barely played a Metal Gear game, and I, Metal Gear also has this like tendency where they always have to have somebody that betrays you. Uh, you're always rescuing a doctor, which is also on here. So right when I got to the rescuing the doctor, I'm like, all right, who's gonna betray me? Which one of you guys? And then right, I'm like, well, the big Colonel guy, because he's like the higher up, so he's gonna betray me. But yeah, right. It's almost a stereotype. Yeah, because I'm looking, because I'm looking at our. Um... Our Anarchy Reigns notes, and it was, um, uh, wasn't it Durga? It, no, it was, um, one of the guys towards the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max should get a fair t- trial, but Max wants to see, Jack wants to see Max dead. Um, oh, Nikolai. Nikolai was the real bad guy, who was one of the guys you play as, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're right. Right, exactly. Um, and he even Nikolai even controls drones to kill other fighters, and this guy also does that just like at the end of uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Oh yeah, where um, Mysterio is like, "Please, Peter, don't do it," and then he tries to kill him. So it's like it's 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 very expected. And I gotta say, and like my question was like, how does the story hit you in 2010 compared to now in 2022? Um, I wrote that just because. I, I think, and not to get like super like real world political, but like this is a game where Russia's the bad guy, but then the twist is that Russia really was provoked by America, Uh-oh. and the- Russia isn't the bad guy. And I gotta say, sometimes there is no conspiracy. The bad guy is just the a bad person, you know. And I feel like this this story would never fly now because it's fueling. A, a lie. It's fueling a lie that the perpetrator of an actual event is trying to use exactly. in saying that they they provoked me in doing this, and I'm doing this, you know. And and so it's like it's it's kind of cringy <laughs> now to go back. I, I will say you that know. I think I know what they were trying to do back then because I felt like right. this game was trying to take everything that American games that were third-person shooters that they were copying, so it would be like, everyone wanted to be Gears of War, right? And they, I'm sure they, right. they had an idea, like, how do we kind of turn Gears of War on his head? Oh, first of all, Russians are always the bad guys, so this time, actually, the Americans are the bad guy. Um, instead of taking cover, right. you have to be out in the open, and you get more points for being out in the open and dodging instead of being behind cover. So I felt like it was what they were going for, but yeah, for sure, it wouldn't fly today. Right, and I also think it was a mistake to like... I never like when they when you see fiction that will like have the first female or the first black or the first Asian president, but then they turn it on its head and they're like evil. And I feel like... I, th- I feel like what they're trying to do is set it up like oh, the twist is that they're evil because you wouldn't expect them to be evil because you were rooting for them because they were the first female or black president or something like that. And it just seems so cheap to me. Mm. Like, it almost cheapens, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think any little girl is or any woman is picking up Vanquish and playing it and being like, 
yeah. empowered to see a female president and then they turn out to be evil but it's still it's just it's kind of cheap to me like it's almost expected now that like when Morgan Freeman's the president you realize he's the twist guy. is that he's a bad guy you know <laughs> they should have made her a puppy you know nobody will ever think a puppy would do anything evil and then they right the well I think I think if she was just some white guy it would have been a bigger twist because you're like oh all the white guys are, are evil in this game. <laughs> That's true. Um, so instead of watching the opening cinematic, I thought I'd share a video that I actually made back when the game released. Um, so if you want to share that, we can, we can watch it. It's kind of a silly video. All right. I'll play it. You started off with a nice Sega logo, at least. Yeah, I do. Always. Oh, Sonic Team. Oh. Right? Perfect. When did you edit this? Uh, back in... Man, it doesn't even show when I uploaded it, but it was, it was like, late 2010, I think. It's weird how... It... Yeah, November 4th, 2010. It's, it's weird how it blends in pretty good. Right? Yeah. So what I did was... <laughs> For those listening to audio, it's it's a mashup of the Sonic Adventure intro and the uh, the Vanquish intro because they both show cities being destroyed. And what I thought was so wild was in the Vanquish one, and what what kind of prompted me to make this mashup, they film they have the the camera suddenly go up to a window and like show the glass shattering out, and then in the Sonic Adventure one, it does the same thing and Tails flies past. And so I was like, oh, let's try editing that together. And then I was like, oh, let me just edit the whole thing. And it was so funny to see people like boiling to death and getting hit by cars. Well, can't hold on much longer. <laughs> like, you did and I job. think what's so thank you. Uh, what's what's so terrifying about the intro though is they cut they cut um, to first person views for all these people who are dying, which yeah. I think is really creepy. Very creepy. I forgot like, about this intro. This is ridiculous. It's insane. Like, people are blowing up. Why would you blow up when you're being... I guess they are like, oh, if you put a, uh, something in the microwave for too long, it blows up. I think so, yeah. Would a person blow up if they were in a microwave? I've never tried to put a person in a microwave, but I would assume, yes, that's what would happen. Would we? I guess our stomach would blow up, right? I, I think so. I mean, we're liquid, right? So, like, I don't know. That's an interesting question. You're going to look it up, aren't you? If I put a human in the, in the microwave... You would definitely heat up uh, and toast. It's saying you probably shouldn't do it. Well, <laughs> well, I wasn't going to do it. Oh, the answer is nothing unless you turn it on. Well, I no. mean... Okay. Ha, how about if we, like, I hate when people like, ooh, let's make a joke. If we were like, honey, we shrunk the kids, and we, put, we were in the microwave, I don't know. <laughs> honey, we microwaved the kids. Oof, could be a new movie. You know what? I, was, I think you could get... Burned, but maybe not blow up. I'm surprised that, that that franchise is actually popular. Like, I didn't know it was so popular when I was like, they had three move, four movies, a TV show, and a ride in Disney. How many people? I mean, how many franchises have that? Well, it's going to be our hundredth episode of Sega Talk. That's too. it. Yeah, well, yeah the kids <laughs> of the movie game, um, starring Sam Gideon. Um, yeah, so let's take a look at the characters here. 
and there aren't that many. We're going to be taking a peek at six of them. And I'm pulling my facts from the official Vanquish wiki. The fandom wiki with the ads. The fandom wiki. I like doing that because it saves me the time of having to, like, type stuff out about them. Also, Um, fandom wiki, if you guys are listening, can you guys stop putting uh, WebP, whatever those images are? Because, like, when I'm pulling data for, like, an episode, it's so annoying having to, like redo everything to uh, actual an actual usable format. I'm just saying, I don't know what's up with that trend. Hate it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had to pull our, photo, our videos from elsewhere, or photos. Yeah. Um, but what I like about these wikis is they give us like useless information, like their weight and their age. Now, there's no weights for this game, unfortunately. Um, but we do learn that Sam Gideon is 36 years old. Wow. Which uh, is around our age yeah. here. So, you know, we can look to Sam as a... Uh, an equal, I guess. But look at that face. I don't feel like I've ever been... I guess it's the dark... The, 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 the th- little suit is, like, pulling his skin back. Maybe when he gets out of it, he's, like, super chunky. You know? Uh, he's got, like, 1% body fat. That's why. He Perfect does. fit man. <laughs> um, I also thought it was interesting that Sam was a successful put, uh, football player during his college years, but his career was put on hold due to an injury. What position And he, did he worked play? on... I don't know. Oh, that's a good question to ask. Planet doesn't Games say. For an interview. Maybe they don't know how to play football. I bet most most people who like make a character like a former sports star, they don't actually know how to play. No, sport. of course not. There's, or oh, you played in football. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, there's not too much to say about Sam. You know, that isn't said in the story, and I think that's why the game itself is you know kind of criticized for. Having being kind of light in that, he does have a smoking addiction, though. Yeah. Um, you know, Everyone there we in go. Japan loves what? smoking. You know that. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Yakuza. Yeah. yeah. Like every Japanese game still has like cigarette smoking, like in some facet. But in American games in the last twenty years, can you think of like five characters that would smoke that were made in America? Well, I heard. And I know from experience that Takashi Azuka of Sonic Team, he smells like cigarettes all the time. Yeah. I've actually yeah. never seen him smoke, but I'm sure he looks like he smokes, though, for sure. I think there's probably a directive for the ones, especially doing games targeting children, not to be seen smoking in public. That would make sense. You know? They're like, smoke in your office, but please don't walk around outside in San Francisco smoking. Yeah. Um... Let's look at our next fellow, Robert Burns. Now, this is a guy we can talk a little bit more about because he's not the the star, but he's definitely dead now. Um, he was voiced by Stephen Bloom. Do you know who that is? Stephen Bloom sounds familiar, but I, I can't put a, a, a face on it. He is a voice actor. He has done tons of like low-voiced, gruff dudes. If you look at his, his list, um, boy, it's like, you know tons and tons of well-known characters but he was actually I think he played a live action character on the Mandalorian he played the giant Devorian in the Prison Break episode oh. he plays Spike on Cowboy Bebop okay okay I'm looking at his thing and he's talking about Star Wars on his Twitter account yeah yeah I, I'm wondering if he's gonna be because I'm going to Star Wars Celebration at the end of the month and I've been looking for actors who have connections to Sega games I wonder if he's going to be there. That would be interesting. I'd ask him. He probably <laughs> about doesn't even remember Robert Burns. This role. Have you ever seen that when you're like you meet a voice actor and you're like, 
hey, you were in this Sega game. And they're all, I was? <laughs> You're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've experienced that. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he's he's has a great, great roster here of, uh, of roles. So, yeah, good on him. But Robert Burns, of course, we mentioned he's one of the main characters in the game. And he ends up being one of the main antagonists, yeah. too, even though he's assisting you throughout the game. Um, he's the leader of Bravo Company. He is only 48 years old, though. Look at that old fellow. He, like, he does not look like... <laughs> he went, like, gray. Like, he was probably, like, 25 when he started graying. Like, his whole beard is gray. His hair's gray. Kazuma's 60-whatever. I don't know how old he was in the, in the last game. 50, almost 60. Not one gray hair. Not one wrinkle. Now, some uh, fun facts about him. His line during a cutscene in the game going, Come on, you apes, you want to live forever? Is actually a line that was lifted from Starship Troopers. Uh, so they, they kind of steal there. Um, also, it says he's an atheist. So now that he's dead, he's not going anywhere. Just black. Right? Yeah. Uh, next up we have... Elena Ivanova. The and she's, hot you know, I mean, what do you think of her? She reminds me of the girl from um, uh, uh, Gun Valkyrie yeah, a little bit. With the haircut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and this one, or, she's the one in the mic all the time, right? Right, or in Halo, she's like your assistant, right? Your virtual assistant. Cort- Cortana, that's what they call her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. that's what she is, yeah. Not much to say about her. She's just kind of like there, and I guess she kind of is a hacker. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of and like she's twenty seven. It kind of reminded me of the gimmick of like uh, Metal Gear Solid that you have to talk to people on the on the little codec, and she kind of reminded me of like Natasha or whatever, like the whatever blonde girl they had on the mic. So, I mean, it it's cool. I mean, but it's kind of like a stereotype to always put this like blonde woman as a support character. I don't know Japan. Right. They love blondes. Right. I mean, as you can see, we're blowing through these. There's not too much to say about them, and a lot of them we can compare to other pre like games, other games that came out within a five year span before this game. So I think the problem is that this game is mostly focused on its like gameplay. You know what I mean? So it's like and there's nothing wrong nothing with that. Wrong. It's like talking about sure. Fantasy Zone, and we're like, oh yeah, Sopo, but the great Opo, but let's talk about him. <laughs> Characters, yeah, we've never done a characters breakdown for like a Master System game like that. But that's what I feel. That's what this game feels like to me when we're breaking down the characters here. Oh yeah, Uh, Professor Francois Candide. He again, uh, he's dead, (laughs) just like almost all the other characters in the game now. This guy looks Um, like he's gonna sell me an iPad. Like he's about, and he's older. He's older than Burns. Whatever he did, isn't that weird? Whatever he did, he did a good job taking care of himself. And Burns is, like, just out there, just, I don't know what, bathing in the sun every day. Right. Yeah. Right. And so there's not too much to say about him that wasn't in the plot. Moving on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, who's next? Victor. Let's see. Oh, Victor. He... Have you been watch? You watch Barry, right? The, oh, the... the yeah, it's a great show with the with the uh, gay maf- mafiosos, the bald guy, and the other one. Right? Yeah, he um, looks like the guy, the gay mafioso. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the Russian guy, right? The hairless, yeah. the hairless guy. 
I don't, is he Russian or where are they from? I don't. Remember. I think he might be from another country, but he. Oh man, his, his, I, I love their depiction of like uh, you know the underworld and like those mafioso people. I just love that they made him so flamboyant and like silly. That was pretty interesting because yeah. the show takes itself seriously pretty... at times, and then you know you got those guys. Yeah. And he looks like this guy. He does. And this guy was voiced by Mark Warden. I haven't been calling all, all the voice actors, but I, I figured I'd call him out. And he, I don't really know what he's been best known as. He's one of those actors who's just like appearing in, you know, various TV shows like once or twice. Um, but if you've watched like Star Trek shows or CSI or even watched some cartoons like Batman or Teen Titans, he's been like in one or two episodes. So, you know, that's... he's. That's what he's up to. Um, but in this game, he's voicing Victor. And I don't know, I guess what could we say about Victor? So he he's calm and emotionless throughout most of the game. He speaks in a dull tone of voice. <laughs> Can you imagine that? They're like, Mark, we got the perfect character for you. He's dull and emotionless. So I could do that. <laughs> I could do that in a second, man. Have you seen my credits? They're not that great. Um, he... Uh, he has his own advanced battle suit, but different from Sam, it's connected to his brain and is, like, from a distance. He can control it. And that's kind of like Pacific Rim, right? Aren't they, like, connected and they can mm, they I, can fight? So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, if you want to hear some of his famous quotes, he says, Die. He also says, Iconic. it was a pleasure to meet you. I think I've said all these things in real life. You need practice. You know? Oh, yes. So, iconic. All of them. Super iconic quotes from, from Victor. And then finally, we have Elizabeth Winters, the president of the United States oh. of America. And Show she some appeared... Respect. That's Hillary Clinton. <laughs> well, if you look, and I don't know if you're showing, you don't need to show the wiki page, but if you guys are at home and you want to see the funniest wiki page, her gallery of photos is a picture of her standing, a picture of her with a gun to her head, oh and then a picture of her on the floor with a hole in her head. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, you're right. It's, it looks like a, it looks like a creepypasta like, comic strip. Yeah, I think... It was like, I know that memes weren't that big of a thing, but I remember that this whole, like, her just putting the gun in her head and shooting herself kind of got shared a lot, and people were editing it, like, editing in it. Like, oh, my God, this happened. And there's just a picture of her shooting herself in the head. But, yeah, I thought now, it was interesting. This this would never be in a game in this day and age, I don't think, especially from Sega. I don't think they would show someone committing suicide point-blank range. It's just, like, if we want to talk about games that are triggering... This is triggering, you know. It's even triggering me just looking at these pictures, and I'm, and not, I'm pretty. Not only that, like cool about stuff. Can you imagine the field day sites like Kutaku and Polygon would have saying the first female Sega kills the first female president for no reason, basically? You know, it's like uh, it's not even worth it at this point. But I understand. I don't know what they were going with. I I think they wanted to shock everyone that the United States was the bad guy, and you know. And a character that kind of, I mean, let's be honest with you. This is Hillary Clinton. She literally dresses like Hillary Clinton. Or am I wrong? It's so weird. She wears the man suit. No, thing. no, I mean... I mean, I guess they're pulling from most female politicians, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's just kind of like... But... She looks a lot like her, though. 
For sure, yeah. And so, yeah, she she's the president of the United States. Um, and she, I guess, was the mastermind behind everything and then killed herself. Worst so president we ever had. Here she goes. I will say I wish more more presidents who tried to overthrow their country just did something like this. But Just to you know, end it, just, just move on to the next one. Do you think that like they just started electing another president right away, or do you think the vice president took over? Like, isn't that how it would work? So it would be all right. Well, right? yeah, they, there would be a vice president, but they don't. I don't think he's in the game. That's what I'm saying. What, what if the vice president, the vice president, is the president we eventually see in Sonic Adventure too? Oof, that would be good. Finally, yeah. yeah. I I was very close to copy and pasting her just with the gun to her head I'm and using it for a tweet. It. Not a. Not on our account, but like on my own, just because oh. even I would think we'd get shit for it. But I'm like, what, what would it? What would the like caption this? It's, yeah. it's this old woman, the president. <laughs> like what? Yeah. So we're gonna get this back on track. Like as you can see, the the plot and the characters is is pretty light. Yeah. And I've tried to stretch it out as best I can, but um. Outside of Sam, so who is your favorite character of this, uh, I mean, I guess five? Sam smokes, so that's already super cool. He doesn't care, uh, and he's the only true patriot to the America, I mean, to America, I guess, technically. So, is, I mean, is America still the good guy? Or, I guess he's the nomad, right? The no man with no country. That's what I thought was weird, though. I mean, personally for me, I would I wanted to see a sequel to, like see more of the world, you know, like, I thought this was just kind of like the Sega trying to, you know, like, oh, we got the, all the basic components for this game, right? So it's like Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2, you know, that, that massive jump. That's what I always thought that Sega was going to do with this, but it is, it, I mean, it is light, I agree, but I feel like the world has something there that they could have built off of, like a uh, rogue, vanquish guy fighting for, I guess, what's right, I guess. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what the game's missing is kind of like a few other protagonists, even if they're unplayable, that um, or non-playable, I should say, uh, that are just as visually interesting as the Vanquish costume. Like, um, we've talked about in our Binary Domain episode, uh, the, the French robot dude, right? Like having a robot with like a little scarf yeah. is so cute yeah <laughs> and he's such a fun character to the point where he's almost the star of the game and i feel like platinum games are good enough that they could have developed little side characters like Bay- bayonetta works so well because not only is bayonetta cool but you've got like the danny devito guy and you've got the like morpheus guy and sure they're like obviously evoking things you're you've seen before but they're they're kind of fun and original and quirky and like you buy the art book because you like all the designs and sketches a vanquish art book would be very boring to me to be quite honest like it's it's realistic depictions of just like americans uh and then in that like capcom style (laughs) like they still kept that like capcom realistic look they used to have you know what i mean Right. I, I will. Yeah. I will tell you that like uh, one of the things that always kind of got me a little like uh, ups- not, not upset, but like it was kind of like they they could have done better would be like the villains. All right. So we have these villains. We only have one villain that you we technically even talked about. Victor uh, Winters is not really a. I mean, she's a villain, but you know how it goes. You know, and Burns. 
I, 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 it was like a missed opportunity not not to have like established villains. Like the one thing that Metal Gear Solid made made right. it iconic was that you had to fight Liquid Snake and you know Revolver Ocelot and all these bad guys had faces and characters. Right. And these are just like robots you're fighting. So in the end, you're right. It's not like people took the suits themselves and then now there's these cool people with suits that are rebelling. You know. Yeah, that's a great point. Like the game was really, I think, lacking in like memorable enemies or bosses or anything like I think to you know completely unrelated game Knights into Dreams like Knights has a really fun cool design but then every single boss also looks very cool to the point where they could carry their own game some of them you know oh, yeah. like Jackal or Riala like they're cool looking and it's a shame like I know that there are enemies in this game but none of them really stick with me like I don't really I can't recall them from memory they don't really stick out all that much um but let's talk about the reason why this game is so beloved and so we've got a gameplay video here we can have it going while we uh chit chat about uh what else but of course the gameplay um and this is from robros 100 and this was uh recorded around the time of release that's why i actually picked it because i like these kind of like on-release videos where people are trying to figure out the gameplay and show it off. and This guy's definitely it's cool. too too much in cover. I, when I play the game, I try to yeah. avoid cover as much as possible. I don't know. It makes it a little funner, I guess. Because it gives you so much like gadgets for you to play around with. But yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, like I said, story, characters, pretty light on content. But this is a Platinum Games title, so the real meat is the gameplay. So, as mentioned, you take control of Sam Gideon. Sam is a DARPA agent armed with his ARS. Um, if you take too much damage, the suit automatically enters AR mode, and this mode increases Sam's reflexes, allowing him to slow down time and to evade attacks. And, of course, uh, Platinum Games fans will probably recognize this as, like, Witch Time yeah. from Bayonetta. Uh, players can also enter AR mode manually, and boosters can be used to slide around the areas quickly. And I guess if you want to, again, compare it to Bayonetta, like the boosters are kind of like the the gun feet, like where they just are like cool little devices attached to your body that can make you do fun things. Um, however, using these tools can overheat your suit, requiring a cooldown time, which makes it difficult to move about. So... Uh, would you say this system is really Vanquish's defining trait or style? Yeah. Um, I mean, the two things that stood out to me when, like, after I played the game and I was like, what's, what's, because usually when I play a game, I'm like, what's the most, what's awesome about this game, you know? And I, and for this one, it was the game, obviously the slow motion and like, um, being able to like sneak in shots and, um, being very tactical in your movement, the way you slide. And also the suit, the way the guns move and like uh, interact and how they put themselves together was really well done, really smooth. I think it. This is the the character models actually age pretty well for the game. Outside of you know the backgrounds, you could tell they're PS3 games, but like the the Vanquish suit itself is very like intricate. Like I haven't seen another like in-game vid, you know suit like this. So yeah, but um, yeah. Yeah, and. Have, can you think of another game that has a gimmick like this? Like a slow-mo gimmick or the uh, overheating? Slow-mo and the ability to like slide around. I'm trying to think. Mm. 
I can't think of one. Maybe like somebody will be like, "Oh, this uh, Uncharted Three had a feature like that," but it's never really exactly the same. Like, there's no slow mo and Vanquish. Yeah, Vanquish to me kind of felt like Virtual On mixed with Bayonetta. Like they they had a baby. Yeah, it's like a Virtual On and Bayonetta had a baby, which sounds insanely awesome. And to be quite honest, I think it is. Like. Uh, we we did our um, and I'm I'm just recalling it because it was so recent um, our Anarchy Reigns episode and we were kind of saying like what is it that makes this game unique from other Platinum Games titles or other games in general and nothing really stood out it was just kind of like oh it's multiplayer uh, multiplayer online Mad World kind of <laughs> you yeah. know um, one... it's just your very basic beat 'em up that one didn't have slow motion did it no right. No, it didn't, but that's the thing. It, it was just kind of like any other uh, kind of action-y, arcade online beat-em-up sort of game, where you're like free-roaming, and there was nothing really to set it apart, and I think that's what makes both Bayonetta and Vanquish so like successful as Platinum Games titles, because I think what makes a great Platinum Games title is that they find a gimmick and really push it to its limits, mm. and... To me, I think the best video games are the ones that let you do something that you can't do in the real world and kind of presents a system that you can experiment with and really see all the things that you can do with it. And I I think this game really... I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think it just... This alone is like enough to make it a really cool concept, but then they add to it. So there's the, the weapon system. It's called Blade the blade system it allows you to store three weapons at a time with a total of eight different weapon types plus an additional three if you have the dlc pack um where you can swap weapons if you come across one uh, not in your inventory by holding down the reload button and this replaces the weapons in the active slot weapons and grenades that oh if you get something you already had then it kind of replenishes them instead yeah. and i guess that's that's been like that for years like uh, wolfenstein 3d does that yeah. um you can upgrade weapons by improving stats including your ammo capacity firepower and blast radius and you can also aid injured allies um which in turn give you more weapons and also find them in crates so weapon system how, how do you think this compares to other fps games i mean i i would think like the weapons wheel and stuff is pretty generic. Uh, the weapons itself, obviously, were like uh, in this game were uh, their own weapons. Like they're not really based on other weapons. I feel like it, during this period, that was kind of uh, a get. I guess kind of like everybody wanted to play near future stuff. I think I remember when this game came out. You know, because of Black Ops. But yeah. it kind of reminds me a lot of like uh, Gears, but there's no defining gun. You know, Gears of War has that gun with the chainsaw on it that defined it. Right. Bayonetta has her two weapons, uh, the the two guns um, that define four. four guns. Yeah, because the feet obviously which defined her because who has I mean that was like obviously when we talked about it on the Bayonetta episode that was a defining trait from the beginning. She's a witch and she has four and I guns. love I love the naming convention too. The Scarborough Fair it just sounds so awesome. And then there's the Parsley Sage Rosemary yes. and Thyme. It's just it's funny, but it's like. Perfect. When I see those, yeah, when I see those, like, um, uh, first four figures, um, like, replica guns that they were selling, I'm like, I wish I could, I wish I could buy those. Those look so cool. And I think, yeah, Vanquish, 
Um, their weapon system, it's serviceable, but there's nothing to it that really stands out to me that makes it as unique as what we just talked about with the um, all the other systems. But I don't, I don't think that's a problem because I think you're already trying to learn all these new modes and as we go on how to utilize them to their best ability. So to have something there that's recognizable I think works. But you're right, I think... Sam definitely was lacking a like something iconic weapon. Yeah. It's his gun his gun just I mean his gun has an interesting shape. But I guess, but nothing about it stands out. Have you ever seen anyone want to like if they made this as a replica, you think a lot of people would be oh man, it's Sam's gun uh, machine gun. No. That's what I'm saying. So Bayonetta has that appeal at least, you know what I mean? They're, her weapons are so iconic that People are buying them on the internet to get replicas of them, you know? And there's also her glasses that became iconic, too, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then, whereas with Sam, I think that maybe the more iconic things about his suit are that when it folds open, it leaves these little, like, things at the top that almost acts as, like, a new version of the helmet, like a little, like, crown or something. Um, And I I just thought this was interesting. I actually found my receipt inside my game, my copy of the game when I popped it open. I bought this at Kmart. What? In Yeah, I bought this at Kmart in Philadelphia on... God, when did I buy this? There's no no year? Oh, no, it definitely is, like, on release. But I got... It says I saved 25 bucks. The the game was $34.99. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, so... Hmm. I didn't know Kmart was still anyway. a thing even ten years ago. I don't know. Like they just kind of disappeared. Huh? Oh no! I, I bought this on release. Yeah, I'm seeing the the date here. So yeah, interesting. But oh, I even kept the little plastic bit. You know that seals your. Oh <laughs> so yeah. I stuck I it. I used to keep those. The old Xbox game. Uh, advertising Alien versus Predator on the backside. But in any case. Um, I think what what really makes Vanquish stand out is that, you know, there's other mechanics. There are using explosives, stealing uh, walkers or turrets from from enemies. Though my favorite has got to be the ability to use cigarettes to distract enemies. And, you know, we were talking about the glasses. I think the cigarettes are really Sam's, like, defining thing, but they did not push it in the American marketing, probably because they didn't want to anger, like... Rating sports. Pretty you know what much, I mean? Yeah. We have like a very like no smoking thing in media in America. Like yeah. I, I can't think of anybody in America that's like pushing smoking in even in shows they like try to you know, rated our shows people don't even smoke. Oh yeah, absolutely. And even uh they removed the cigarette from re-releases of the Yakuza, the iconic Yakuza cover art where the, the three cigarettes like hanging off yeah. his lip. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that makes sense but I just I love within the game that you can like I don't know like I feel like there's been games where you can do something realistic but it doesn't really mean anything like in Shenmue you drink sodas and they had to like do a winning can to like actually have it be something you want to do again and again yeah Um, but here I think using it as part of combat is just awesome I love it it's just a fun little thing like how you can you go around to the side, flick a cigarette, and then the enemies are like, what's that? And then you come out from the other side and shoot them. It's just, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, like, to bring up Bayonetta, this is kind of like Bayonetta's use of the candy suckers. If you imagine 
you know, like Bayonetta smoking cigarettes, no. though? What do you think of that? She, she's 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 a good girl. She would not smoke cigarettes. She, her vice is candy. She has to have her lollipop. I don't know. And, I mean, like you know that. It made me think of that community meme, though, where the dean's like, this better not awaken anything in me. And I'm like, ooh. I don't know. Do you think tall. women smoking is could be hot? Like, I, to me, I, I just think of the way that, like, cigarettes smell. And I'm like, oh. No, no, I know that. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying Bayonetta smoking cigarettes in a game. That'd be, I don't uh, know. That'd be. I like the lollipop better, but if she smokes cigarettes, I would have to be no. Sorry, you're a bad influence to all the Smash kids. <laughs> all the kids that play Smash are going to start smoking cigarettes. All right, all right, all right. Well, uh, the game also pulls a Shenmue and has the makes use of quick time events. Oh, I mean, when you remind me of that, yeah. I hated that part actually of this game. That's another thing that brings it down, and I'll tell you why. I can't stand. Q- uh, Tell me. I, I can't stand QTEs where you just die if you fail. I can't stand that. I'm like, no, don't do this. Um, I think this one also had some moments where like they'll throw a, an object at you and it's a one hit kill. I don't like that. I don't like one hit kills. I don't think they're like. They're just annoying because now you know they're it's coming, so you just move out of the way and it's like, oh, so you made me restart this level just because you had this weird section where I have to memorize that there's a one hit kill. I don't like that. Just me though. Maybe. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, but to make you feel better, the cover system in this game is very cool. Um, it really takes it to the next level because with so many enemy projectiles, the slow motion mode, um, and the enhanced cover system, many point to this game as being like a bullet hell third person shooter. And to me, uh, this is kind of Vanquish in the nutshell and the, the best selling point. I always hear when people are like, oh, you got to try Vanquish. Why? What, what's, what is it? Have you ever played those like shmups where like they're bullet hell? Okay, yeah. But it's a third person shooter like that. Like to me, I think that sounds really cool. What do you think about that assessment? I think it's it's pretty close to that um, because like, uh, and you know, and if you really know the system, it's so satisfying being able to like Use your slow mo, pop up, you know. Watch the bullets come after, go, come around you, and then like just pop the perfect shot, kill the enemy, get get back to safety, and like maneuver it, and then you know, it's great, it's fantastic. But yeah, oh, yeah. I agree with that. And and oh yeah, and definitely. And like the thing is, talking about the um, cover system, cover. You know, we were watching that video. I don't know if it's still going. It was a pretty short one, but yeah, uh, cover can often be you know, like, easily destructible, so players are always having to move, you're penalized, even in the score itself, um, for the amount of time that uh, is spent in cover. However, thanks to the sliding boost, players can move in and out of cover at high speeds to avoid the score penalty, and also draw away enemy fire. So, I mean, you shouldn't be covering too much in this game, but they give you the tools to really, you know, like succeed with the cover system so um would you say in total like vanquish's gameplay ingredients do you think they make the perfect recipe or are there elements here that you would probably tweak to perfect the game um i mean like i told you my only uh, my only problem is the qte i think the i wish they would do more like uh enemies you could take over i thought that was interesting um but outside of that, I think they did a pretty good job. I think 
the cover system is like a last resort. At least that's how I use it when I play the game. I'll use it like, oh, I'm going to die. I have to take cover to get through this, right? Like a safety net. Right. And so I think they did a good job. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's all, it almost reminds me of Knights because I've, I've watched people play this game. And they're just taking cover the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, you could play like that if you wanted to. But that's not what the system wants you to do. And I'm, I'm actually well, that's happy a great point. Like yeah, that's a great point. Because in Knights, you will race, race around the track once or around the stage once and then complete it. And you'll get like a C or a D or whatever. And yeah. you, you don't really know that, that the point of the game is to make as many points as you could and run till the clock's just about over. And at least in this game, you can kind of see that, oh, you know, my, my score is really going down when I um, am just hiding behind things all the time. And I think initially I didn't realize that. So I think, if anything, the game probably just needed to do a little bit better job within the game itself telling people that. Because I feel like it's one of those games where you really learn how to play it through word of mouth. And thankfully people talked about that a lot when this came out. But... Um, Another Platinum Games title that I think actually suffers is uh, Wonderful 101, which is like a really high concept game, but they did not do a good job explaining it to people to the point where you people were like, oh, it's an awesome game. Watch this 15-minute tutorial video, and then you'll love it. You know, and it's like, why isn't this in the game itself? <laughs> you know? And, and, you um, know, it's funny, though, because, like, you have to have, like, an equilibrium, right? Like, um... Like you said, they didn't explain Wonderful 101. I literally, like I told you before, last uh, a few months ago, I was playing um, Astral Chain, right? And that whole game is an explanation. Like, the whole ten chapters is just explaining their system, like, slowly, right? Drip feeding you it. And then by the last three chapters, right. it's just a boss rush. Like, you just have to fight these really, really hard bosses. So now you, you know the system in and out, and you, they're trying to make you exploit it, which I thought they did a decent job, but... At the same time, it's weird because I feel like some people hate that, the hand-holding. Because I think Japanese games have been known right. to hand-hold. You know, when you play, like, Kingdom Hearts, it has, like, three paragraphs of explanations for pressing A. Um, so, right. I don't know. I think you have to have... You have to, uh, Japan has to find a, like, in-between, I agree. And, and Vanquish is probably the the least amount of explaining from any Platinum Games game, technically, that I've, ever, I've played, probably. I think games do it best when they have like a character go, are you ready for your mission or do you want to go into the training room? And you're like, oh, let's check out the training room. And it's like, all right, ready, slide. You know, it looks like, you know, you're taking too much time undercover. Remember, you know, out out on the field, blah, 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 blah could happen. You know, like you could do it in universe and explain to the character. Uh, but, you know, they didn't do it. That's okay. Um, who did this game, though? So the team behind Vanquish are best known for their work on Resident Evil 4, which includes lead director Shinji Mikami. The game began develop in t- development in 2007, and in January 2010, the first trailer was released. And before we watch that, let's let's talk a little bit about RE4 and Mikami. Um, what are your thoughts on the game? I've never played Resident Evil 4, I will admit. Oh, Dude, I was I, when I was a kid, I was so hyped. Well, I mean, I wasn't a kid; I was already like 18 when it came out. So, I mean, a young adult, I guess you could say. But I was so excited for that game. I was like, I didn't even like the GameCube, to be honest with you. But I was simping for it so hard. I'm like, oh, this is it, Resident Evil Force coming. So I was super excited for it. Um, I think this is 
that was the reason why I was so excited for Vanquish when it was announced. And at the time, I was a little mm. more excited than Bayonetta. But then when I started seeing the trailers for Bayonetta and the like, all the cool stuff you could do, I was like, all right, no, this game is something else, right? They were both pretty special games, but I feel like Bayonetta just had all the little like, like you said, iconic glasses, iconic lollipops, iconic weapons, like you know what I mean? Uh, a, a really cool style. This one didn't have that style. Um, but uh, Shinji Mikami is pretty interesting. Uh, I know that he left after this game to do his own studio, which got bought by Microsoft. And they just did mm -hmm. uh, the they, they did the Evil Within, and they just did that uh, Tokyo Ghostwire or something like that. It's they literally just right. released the game that studio, and nobody's talking about it. I feel like it's gonna bomb really badly. I'm like, oh, I actually my, my brother actually owns it, and he I might play it soon. But I don't have anything to say about that one. But The Evil Within is pretty interesting horror game too. Like if you like horror games, The Evil Within is worth checking out. But uh, what's your uh, history with Mikami games? I really don't feel like I have one. Like unless there's some deep cut that I'm missing or or something. But I'm just I'm looking at his gameography and nothing is really jumping out at me. You never played Dino Crisis. I mean, Crisis. I own the you original played... Resident. You never played like Dino Crisis or Resident no. Evil. No. Oh, sh all right. I've played the original Resident Evil and I've played Code Veronica, um, but like in terms of games he's directed specifically, like I've always wanted to play God Hand, but I've never owned it. Um. But yeah, nothing. Nothing's really jumping out at me. No, I've never played Dino Crisis. I've never played. I played the original Resident Evil, and that's about it. Um, but I see he did work on Goof Troop for the SNES, so that's something. Oh, did you play that? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the best game he's ever made. Um, no, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess nothing to say. Um, but we should check out this trailer. So this is the first trailer that launched. Uh, January 2010. This was the debut trailer, and it's interesting. It doesn't look like the Vanquish we no in love. Know. In love. Oh, I do remember this one. Yeah. This is like the. I really like the style right here. Like, it's weird because it has a lot of gloom, bloom, and I usually don't like that when it looks like that. You know what I'm talking about? In the early 2000s, every game kind of had that style. But something about this really right. drew me in. I was like, wow, the lighting is weird but the game doesn't look like this at all but yeah hillary clinton and the president's a real person yeah it's weird so this is a real life real trailer. actress yeah. how much do you think sega yeah. spent on this i don't know it just surprises me that you could do a cg woman talking but instead you go with like and and sam's real too yeah and it's it, a white guy i guess when i when i when i originally saw this yeah it, it made me kind of like the idea of this like super clean white suit in these like um super realistic outdoor environments and you don't you don't really get that in the end but it's still man it it looks really good yeah. and it makes me wonder did they build a vanquish suit i think they did they could have they, you know what uh if they ever made a seek i mean if they ever did a remake from the ground up on this game uh yeah. they could have 
really like it would look like that i would say like just the idea of the way he was like hitting the sand and stuff it would be interesting to have like a remake of this game just because like they could add so much more to the slow motion like you going through dirt and the dirt going up in the air then you hit slow motion and you see the dirt you know particles up in the air i mean yeah. Oh yeah, and your suit like starts pristine white, and then as the mission goes on, it gets like Dirtier. dings yeah. and, and dirt. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. But I mean, awesome debut trailer. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mikami has said that the game was developed with the PS3 as its lead platform, due in large part to help avoid dodgy PS3 ports, um, and citing that he saw their work as a great success. And what comes to mind is uh, Bayonetta, which I believe was not developed for the PS3. Yeah. It was developed for the 360 and then ported. Yeah, and the PS3 port was, like, garbage. not good. Yeah. Yeah. And you remember this era where, like, everyone had to compare ports. Everyone had to, like, talk about uh, ports and, like, which one to buy it on. And there's, like, mm-hmm. this, like, w- always people fighting each other. And the, I mean, that's never going to change, right, the fighting online. But I always thought it was interesting that, like, we don't even talk about that that much anymore, right? Like, a game comes out, we're like, oh, okay, on PS4 or or Xbox One. Like, um, the the difference is maybe a couple frames or more loading. That's what I've been noticing. Sometimes sometimes I'll watch the Digital Foundry stuff. Like, oh, what's the difference? I usually just do it for Switch games, though, because some Switch games are really bad ports. Like, really bad ports. So I want to avoid that, but... Um, well, yeah, like a game like Sonic Frontiers, I'm never going to have the Switch version be my my go to. No like, way, <laughs> I can't imagine. No way. I will, pl- I will definitely play the Switch version to check it out, but it's not going to be like, oh, hey guys, I just finished 100 at Sonic <laughs> Frontiers. Have you played uh, um, Sonic Forces on the Switch? I intend to. I need to get it. Okay, I haven't played it. I just wanted to know if you, what you thought about the differences there, like. I want to try it. Because that game looks super sharp on the PS4. Like, that, I oh. mean, you can say whatever you want about the game, but, like, the the graphics and it actually stayed 60 frames per second, that was pretty awesome, finally, for Sonic Team to do that, so. It's a beautiful game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, in this case, they, they developed Vanquish for the PS3, and as, as a result, the 360 version is very good yeah. from what I've seen. And it's uh, backwards compatible. You can play it on the Xbox One, which made the re-release kind of funny to me because I'm like, oh, cool, a game I can already play. <laughs> um, but, we, you know, we were talking originally about, like, what inspired this game, and it wasn't what you expect. So the, the game, um, the graphics, and even some of the gameplay was actually inspired by an anime series called Kasan or Kashan robot hunter have you heard of this show i have not let me uh let's check the trailer out first let me fix your camera because uh it gets big and small and i just want to get it done yeah let's watch it Ooh, i i've never heard of this anime so let's see oh okay it it reminds me of like super sentai he was the last yeah. Hope yeah. Or, uh, what's that one called? Mag- or Giver, or whatever it was called. I don't know if you ever seen that anime. Kind of has this kind I've of I've seen it, yeah. yeah. Let me... But you can see the white suit here. What year is this anime from? 
Oh man, well it must be something he grew up with. That's what I was it assuming. looks like eighties. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Oh my god! But, I mean, you can kind of see the influence here, right? Yeah. With the the red robots, the giant evil red robots, the, dog? And oh, the you good need, guy in the white suit. You needed a, a robot dog that, that shoots flames. Can you imagine having like a psychic character that's a dog? I told you they should have had like backup characters that would have made this game. This is very more epic. Mega Man-ish too, like with the you know the dog. You know, in the classic Mega Man, he had that dog. Um, can't remember Rover Roll. Uh, no, Roll was his sister. Yeah, but yeah, I'm never gonna watch this anime, but it looks pretty. He just like, dude, the dude just dived right through a robot. I wish you could do that in Vanquish. Well, believe it or not, um, Discotech actually has released um, it on DVD. It's let's see, there's the OVA. Wow. I guess that's on there. Or OAV. Maybe I will watch this. Um, yeah, worth checking out. It looks cool. Um, but yeah, so this this anime actually served as an inspiration. Um, Mikami has said that the in- anime influenced the game design itself. And originally he wanted to create a game that was just like the anime, but with the addition of guns. Uh, he also wanted to maintain the feeling of speed found in the anime, which is why the sliding boost mechanic was introduced. Uh, it's unknown if Mikami or Platinum Games attempted to get the license, however. Uh, do you recall any other Japanese video games that were inspired by anime? Like, almost like... Everyone, right? The creators... I mean, I guess, but there's a few that come to mind. Mega so Man? Like, I feel, Astro Boy and Mega Man? Like, that's a really big tie, right. you know what I mean? But yeah. I feel like there were situations where these developers either wished they were making a licensed game but weren't so they made something up to like emulate it Mm. or they straight up like copied it because they knew they'd never get the license you know what I mean but it's interesting because you have these games like Mega Man where it's like you know like it became its own thing super iconic but you gotta wonder like if the creators were kind of like Disappointed they didn't get the Astro Boy license and they had to make, you know, like something like that. I, um, I think Capcom probably like. Can you imagine paying a license fee and then doing your game? Like Mega Man came, became so iconic that like it's one hundred percent owned by uh, Capcom. So like in the long run, for sure, way better for them. But I agree. I, I feel like back then a lot of these uh, developers would have loved to start with a license because you already have the established fan base. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you do you think the comparisons for Sonic and um, Dragon Ball are like? Because a lot of people compare the Super Sonic and all that stuff, and the, oh, yeah, and the yeah. Seven Chaos Emeralds. Do you think that's enough to say that like it's influenced by it? I wouldn't say it's a copy well, because the gameplay is totally influenced different. for sure. But I can't imagine a scenario where if Yuji Naka had the opportunity to get the license for Dragon Ball that he would have dropped Sonic and done, like, a Kid Goku game. I don't think he would. Um, But, like, ones that come to mind are, like, Mario and Popeye. Mm. You know, like, there's definitely an influence there with Bluto and with King Koopa. And there's even been arcade games where they, like, share assets. Yeah, the uh, the Um, Popeye uh, arcade game, which... For exactly. the longest time, I always thought it was like a fever dream I had when I was a kid when I played it. Because I was like, <laughs> I swear, 
there's a Popeye game that plays exactly like Donkey Kong, and everyone's like, no, I don't think so. I remember, like, I was like, I played it, I know it. It's true. Another one that comes to mind is Yu Suzuki, I remember saying that he wanted, he actually did want to obtain the license for a Studio Ghibli movie, but couldn't get it. Do you remember that? And he was developing, like, I don't know if it was Nausicaa or if it was Porco Rosso, but it was definitely a flight game. And that's what influenced um, Space Harrier and Afterburner, where he was like, well, if I can't get the license, I'll just make my own thing up. Um, But yeah, so it's interesting that these Japanese video games, I feel like, especially at that time, you know, 80s, 90s, even 2000s, like they would have loved to do a licensed game. Whereas over here, I feel like a lot of people, unless it's like the Star Wars license, like they're like, man, I don't want to do... Marvel's Iron Man the game <laughs> you know oh, like yeah 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 it just seems like there's no real like drive to like make a really great game based off a license over here um I, I don't know I also think that like the thing with like that makes Star Wars so interesting is that it, they're kind of basic characters like the idea of a Jedi six sword uh, the powers are easy to to translate to video game superheroes like the adventures it's really hard like how do you do a flying character you know what i mean and then how do you do a ground character you know right they do they do say time and time again with superman games like you can't make a good superman game because he's invincible and i'm like why not just make a game where your character is literally invincible but they also have a moral center so that you are you you actually lose when you kill civilians you know (laughs) um so, uh, yeah, leading up to the release of the game, there were some cool promo items. I wanted to take a look at them here. I was looking at them uh, previously, and I didn't know these things released, and I was super jealous. I want some of this stuff, but yeah, let's see. Yeah, let's check them out. So first off, there are e-cigarettes. They actually made official e-cigarettes modeled after Sam's trademark smokes. I want them. Uh, inside Vanquish box. Yeah, that's so... I don't smoke, but I if I own this, I'd be like... I just want it. I try it. Can you imagine just pulling this out <laughs> and show people like it's sick? It's sick. Yeah, exactly. Um, the next one is really cool. It is a press event uh, MP4 player, and if you don't know what an MP4 player is, it's not an MP3. I mean, it can play music, I'm sure, but what it is is it's basically like a no-name uh, iPod Touch yeah. where it can play MP4 video files, but just like on the go. And I don't think this thing ever, this type of tech never really caught on in America. Like, it was always like, by the time we had this, it was our phones or it was like an established brand like iPhone or something. Like, you'd never just go out and buy a no name little TV screen that could play files off a, a card. But this was in 2010. I don't know. I think it's cool. How much do you think yeah. Sega paid for like thousands of these to give away? At, an, at a press yeah. event? It's got to be a small event. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was preloaded with, like, a trailer. That would have been cool. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, like, at the Sonic 25th anniversary party, they gave us a USB, like, Stick. drive. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. If they gave us, like, a cool branded MP4 oh, player and show us, one? like, the Sonic... <sighs> yeah, that's... with the Sonic Mania trailer already on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last one here. I really love this one. So this is a uh, Square Enix... Uh, Play Arts Kai figure of Sam, and this came out around the time of the game's release. There's also a villain figure, 
that they made and this figure I checked it goes on eBay for about 130 to 150 dollars. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and the and the enemy one is about 90. Uh, so that shows you people want Sam. Yeah, Sam is the popular one. But um I don't know if you had your choice for one of these, which one would you pick? E6, easy. No questions asked. Yeah. That's so, it's such a cool promo item that like, you know, you got to have it. And plus it's like the perfect item if you ever meet, you know, Mikami, like to get it signed because it's like pretty sure it's not a lot of people have that kind of stuff from uh, Vanquish. That's a good point. Also, I don't think you can sell e-cigarettes online, so it's like the best one to like wish for because I don't think you're going to go on eBay and find like, you know, e-cigarettes. You can't sell e-cigarettes on? <laughs> oh, I, I guess you can. I guess it makes sense. I think because of the battery... You know, like they they could blow up in the mail. You know that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you're not supposed to uh, um, like ship that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go with the e-cigarettes too. I think that would be a fun one. I wonder if you could flick them. No, they'd probably break. <laughs> um, in North America, GameStop offered a pre-order incentive exclusive of the three weapon DLC pack which later became available for sale for Xbox Live and PS Network and was included for free on the uh, port. So there you go. If you have the 10th anniversary port, you have the DLC, which is cool. Um, Did you download the DLC at the time? I think I might have gotten a code from Sega, but I I tried, back then especially, I hated buying DLC. Like, I would not buy DLC. It would be a very special, like, item, you know what I mean? For me to be right. paying for DLC, so yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I paid for it. No. Yeah, I I didn't have it either because, as noted, I got this at Kmart. But um, I don't know. I, I don't like. I didn't like this practice back then. Like we like I, we just talked about uh, Anarchy Reigns, and they made Bayonetta a pre-order incentive exclusive at GameStop and she's like the coolest character to play as so yeah that sucks <laughs> I, hate, I, I hate pre-order um, DLC it's just not it's not my thing that's all yeah exactly but meanwhile in Europe retailers were offering uh, free copies of Bayonetta with pre-orders oh, that's better and and the retailer Zavi offered a limited edition release which included a statue of Sam Gideon okay let's move to the uh, UK this is done. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the game, Sega announced a Bayonetta and Vanquish 10th anniversary bundle for the PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, the retail release, and I have it here, included a steel book, which bundles both games on one disc with 4K support, 60 frames per second visuals, and there was also a digital Steam release. But yeah, here's the... Uh, book for people watching and it's cool it's newly commissioned uh i guess 2d artwork of vanquish and bayonetta looks very cool and then when you pop it open uh, i think it just repeats like elements of the artwork like the backgrounds minus the characters but um it's cool uh i think we have a trailer yeah Do you want to watch the trailer yeah, for, for sure i was yeah. already just setting it up um there we go. Peggy. Here we go. This is the this Steam trailer. The launch trailer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steam trailer. I like how in the beginning it's like, believe it or not, this is actually in-game footage. Wow. Hey, that's pretty good for PS3. 
Oh yeah, they did a good job with this trailer. This shows you all the cool things, you know, all the best parts. The gun, you know, changing. All the sliding. sliding I think the most iconic Vanquish thing is when he's like, he flips around the gun and then the, yeah. the helmet goes on. Like, exactly. it all builds around him. Yeah, there you yeah. go, that. Yeah, they did that a lot. This is way better than the actual other trailer we saw that they, when they... Like, this, this, they understand. Right. Like, look at this right here. That, that was a cool move. Oh yeah, they got this trailer. This is actually the best trailer I've seen for this game. Yeah, it, just mayhem. it only took him ten years. Yeah, it was just mayhem. <laughs> Whoever did this trailer, uh, somebody give him a, a raise. Right, and I mean to be fair, this is the Steam release, so this I, I should clarify: the game came to Steam in 2017, okay. and then it was re-released in the 10th anniversary pack, and then the Steam version was kind of like upgraded. I don't think there's anything different, really. I mean, the Steam. I mean, the Steam was already unlocked at 60 frames, you know, because it's by your hardware. Right. Exactly. Right. So, but it's cool. It looks really cool. And I remember when this game was coming to Steam, and people were like, "Ah, they're going to make a sequel because it's doing well." <laughs> um, oh, poor babies. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sega seems to love Bayonetta and Vanquish, largely focusing on re-releases of those two games over any other Platinum Games titles. Like, we haven't seen Mad World remastered, anything like that. Uh, in addition to this, Sega often bundles the two games together. So, do you see Bayonetta and Vanquish as, like, a fitting pair? I mean... Does it make sense? Came in, like, if you're a Platinum Games fan, these two games kind of debuted, and these were their big games when they first came out as a studio... Um, right. We, we could we never talk about Infinite Space, for example. So like, I I'm always kind of mad that they didn't like port that one to a like like a phone or something. You know, I don't know if you noticed this, but Square Enix has been doing this, like re-releasing their 3DS games that they ported in the past onto uh, 3D uh, like 3DS and DS games to the phone. And I'm always sad that Sega's right. never done that because like they had a lot of cool DS games that are probably going to be lost. Because, like, oh, man, I don't know if you've been back to playing a 3DS, but going from Switch to, to back to 3DS, it's like, oh, man, how did I survive playing this thing, you know? So I would, I would, yeah. love, to, I would yeah. love to see some, uh, like, other Platinum games. But as far as these two being a pair, I guess I could see yeah. it because these are their AAA games they made with Sega. Like, the other one, Mad World um, and um, Infinite Space. Anarchy Reigns. Anarchy Reigns. Yeah. Those kind of went under the radar compared to these two. This is, like their big big you know points in their Sega relationship at least for sure and I think it's a it's a nice two pack like they they play off the red and blue sort of like Aesthetic. imagery here but then also you got yeah you have a female protagonist a male protagonist one's fantasy one's sci-fi but they both utilize like similar skills and abilities I think if you're a fan of one game you're going to be a fan of the other and they're different enough to like give you a nice double feature you know and they both, and they um, both play with uh, time like uh, slow time exactly yeah and I think it's interesting on the back of the box it says experience the genesis of the Bayonetta series with the cult classic original action adventure game I will say Bayonetta is not a cult classic it's pretty mainstream now, I think when it comes to video yes, games for sure but even th this is the 10th anniversary box and they're calling it a cult classic this game sold what is it? 1.35 million units. You know, like that's not a cult classic. Cult classic would be like 
not only that, it's in Smash Brothers next to like all these other iconic right. characters. It's like how many characters you make it to Smash? I mean, not that many like outside of Nintendo characters, you know? Right, and the franchise has an anime, it has a couple of art books, it has two sequels, so it's not a cult classic. It's one of those misused terms, I think. Um, so how did Vanquish do with the reviewers? Well, the game rated favorably, often, often averaging 8 or 9 out of 10. Reviewers praised the visuals, gameplay, innovations, and fast-paced over-the-top style, but criticized the short length of the story and the lack of multiplayer and mediocre plot and dialogue. What? Game Informer noted, Don't be surprised if you finish your first playthrough in four hours or less. And the AV Club rated the game a B plus, calling it a flat-out, ridiculously designed game uh, strictly to amuse, not to offer any greater message. <laughs> That's pretty much... Uh, so what? Do, well, what's your take on these opinions? Is it fair to expect a multiplayer experience? Um, well, this was like a trend from back then. You know what I mean? Like everyone expected multiplayer in games. It's so weird because like right. now I'm like I don't. I, okay, when I played games back then, I wasn't playing it for multiplayer. Um, I didn't have great internet back then. I still don't have the best internet, but I could play online if I want to. But like, I never bought a game like Bayonetta or another third person shooter like Uncharted and go I want to play it online like I play Uncharted right. offline um, I'll play um, I mean I never had any issue I, we never even talked about multiplayer when we were talking about this game from the beginning it never even crossed my mind that the game didn't have multiplayer because I didn't care so that, that's right me. well they they never established like a cast of characters to make you think it's a multiplayer game like when they did Anarchy Reigns, it made sense because you saw so many characters being thrown at you. You're like, well, obviously, me and my friends can play this, right? Um, of course, Anarchy Reigns lacked local multiplayer, so that's something. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's unfair. I think game developers should be able to either develop a game that's single or multi. You don't need to expect them to do everything. Like, in most cases they need to hire a second studio to handle the other mode because it's just too much work for the team. And I think in the day and age where people are trying to respect like quality of life for game development studios, I think there's less and less people going, ah, oh, make another mode, make it a, make it a two player, four player, eight player, you know, like, yeah, you know, and, I don't uh, know. Binary domain had a uh, multiplayer and nobody played it. I remember when he came out, it was already empty. So it's like, right. what a waste of money. Think about it that way. Like, how much money do you think Sega put into uh, developing a multiplayer for a binary domain that never got traction, never got anything, really? It was just kind of like a waste. Right, or um, or uh, uh, Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric has a multiplayer mode that no one talks about and that was, like, rarely advertised. And it's actually better than the, the base game, but it's like, who is calling... And I see this a lot. People online are like, oh, man, no local multiplayer. And I want to ask them, not to be mean, but, like, do you actually have friends that come over and play PlayStation games with you? I don't think you do. Oh. And I think when they do, I'm just saying, like, I don't think they do to the point where a studio needs to do all this extra effort and pour millions of more dollars into a game just so you and your buddy can play, like, 15 minutes of it. And say, ah, oh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like... You know, I have to agree with you. Uh, because um, 
Yeah, like, I, I don't, my friends don't want to play, like, uh, another game, you know? Like, um, I don't know. I've never had friends go, I'm going to come over to play this game. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to shame people who like playing local multiplayer. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you want to play an online, if you want to play a, a local multiplayer game with your friends, play a game made to be a local multiplayer game. Don't expect a single player experience to cater to you in every like situation of your your video gaming. Like, oh, I want a game that has single player, local multiplayer, and online multiplayer. Like, stop expecting that of every development studio and every game. Like, oh yeah, come on. I don't know. Like, it used to be a gimmick. I think. I think Sega like tacked it onto the Sonic games just so they could sell more controllers and and put more logos on the box to make the game seem more amazing. Like as evidence, they quickly dropped multiplayer from Sonic games once they realized that it really was not all that popular, you know. And they would only tack it on when it was like easy to do or something. I don't know. I, I, I'm um, looking at my review and I noticed that I put a screenshot of my uh, end time for the game. I beat it. It took me six yeah. hours to beat. People are saying you don't even get four hours of it. So I'm just wow. saying. I wow. guess I'm not that good. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that though. So yeah, so the review that matters, of course, is the Segabits review. Of course. Um, so you scored the game an A, oh. noting that the game had great graphics, was addictive, and it had great levels and good controls. But the negatives you said were that it was short. Enemies lacked character, and the story could be better, and the ending is unsatisfying. So you stand by your 12-year-old... Yeah. Not calling you a 12-year-old, but, like, your <laughs> review that's 12 years old. Uh, yeah, I think I stand by it. I mean, I think we when we talked about it, I think I kind of repeated this stuff. The sh- it's short, enemies lack character. Like I said, if they had, like, the... You know, Metal Gear Solid has, like, actual humans be the bad guys instead of robots. I think you have to have that a little bit, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, the story could have been better. I don't think that was the main point of the game. I still gave it an A, though, even though those are pretty big issues. Meaning that I really liked the gameplay. I really thought they did a good job in that section. Maybe I would have given it a B because of how short it was. But uh, I, don't, I stand by it. I don't know. What, what would you give it? I, I, I'd give it an A. I think it's a solid game. I think... Um... You know, talking about that that AV Club score saying it's a game that does not offer any greater message. Again, I think you don't need to go into every game expecting, like, the story to give you some sort of, like, emotional hit or, like, to make you make it change your life. As long as the gameplay is awesome, who cares? (laughs) You know, if it's a forgettable story. It's not a terrible story. It's just forgettable. But, like, again, like, to me, like, what... I would say Sonic Mania Plus is like an A, A-plus game, and there's little to no story. Who needs a story, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a game that is really fun to play, and that's what this game is. Now, uh, sales-wise, the PS3 version debuted at number four in Japan, and the Xbox 360 version, predictably, uh, was pretty low just because it's Xbox in Japan at number 14. Uh, by February 2011, the game sold 820,000 copies worldwide. For the PC release, as of July 2018, there were approximately 140,000 players. And as of December 2018, Steam Spy, if they can be trusted, estimated that the game had sold over 200,000 copies on Steam. 
the game received Game of the Year awards from Classic Game Room. Remember that site? I do remember that. that what YouTube happened? channel? What yeah, happened yeah. To YouTube channel Oh, there's a whole thing. If you I go know. onto Reddit for the Classic I can't Game keep Room, up yeah, with the he drama. like. I don't know. There's like a lot of he, drama, right? He kept shifting around to like different platforms and different like. Like, it was like classic 80s comics for a while, just because he was trying to f- make money off it, which, you know, no fault to him, but it's like you lose your audience when you're like... Shifting so... Vanquish is number one game of the year, and the next next week where you're like, let's review a issue of a Marvel comic you've never heard of. But yeah. uh, That's I thought it was funny, though. Zavi.com gave the game game of the year, but they were also the ones selling the limited edition statue. So it makes me wonder if they were trying to move copies Maybe. you know uh gamestop meanwhile awarded the game best game no one played oh man which i don't know that's not fair someone played it we there's played probably it. other games that came out in 2010 that nobody played more you know like i can't even think i can't even remember what came out 12 years ago but i'm sure well i don't think I don't think that's fair because, like, okay, so you got a game like, or you got a movie like Doctor Strange, Nobody's seen and it. a lot of people are seeing, seen it. a lot <laughs> of people are seeing that right now. Well, yeah, but a lot of people are seeing that right now. But then you take a movie that isn't Doctor Strange, like The Bad Guys, that animated movie, and you might say, oh, it's the movie no one saw. That was good. Well, people obviously saw it, but it just wasn't like the massive like billion dollar hit. Whatever. This side, I mean, Someone GameStop doesn't think we're real people because we played it and we count. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Should we talk about some real people that played it and their memories of the game? Yeah, let's talk about our Patreon's memories. Let's do it. So um, our Patreon picker for this episode, he he's he's ghosting me, dude. Like, if you want, I can, you know. But he doesn't have his memories. But you know what? If you... Support us on Patreon. At any tier, you can have your memories read at the end of the show. And Tyler, Tyler Olu, uh, he he saved the show. He saved our lives. Uh, He is the Sam Gideon to our, uh, I don't know, San Francisco or New York because he saved New York. Um, So Tyler says, arriving at a time when cover-based shooters had become a recipe for success... Shinji Mikami once again defied expectations. Well present, cover was simply an opportunity to gain one's bearings and assess the battlefield. Vanquish's mantra was, bring the fight to them, and it excelled at every regard. I am still in awe of its animations, its commitment to showcasing the speed and variety of Sam's repertoire, and we may never see a sequel, but Mikami's one-and-done attitude with Vanquish did more for the shooter genre than it's given credit for, and perhaps it's all he and his team needed to say. Very good. Very good. Um, On Twitter, I threw this out, too. Now, I typically don't read the tweets, but I'll read a few of them. Uh, We have the Keevster, and he said, when the game came out, I wanted it so bad, but I didn't have enough money at the time to buy it, so I just played the demo on my Xbox 360 over and over again. I think I ended up playing the demo more than the full game. 10 out of 10 demo. Oof. I didn't know they uh, had a demo. Alejandro, I have to download that. I might see if it's still up there and download it, see if it's any different from the, the final game. Uh, Alejandro says, I played the remastered version. It is amazing I discovered the game because it was on the list of Xbox 360s 
backwards compatible games on the Xbox One. Well, there you go. So that just about does it. Do you have any closing thoughts for us on Vanquish? Play Vanquish, enjoy Vanquish, replay Vanquish, and enjoy it again. That's it. <laughs> that sounds good. And what will we be talking about next time? Do you know? Yes, I do. I don't know yeah, if you I do know. know. We're going to be talking about Police Knots. <gasps> and if you like this Hideo <laughs> Kojima right. game... You guys should support us on Patreon, get your memories read in the end of the episode, and you can tell me how much you love the game. But that's it. And I want to thank Joaquin Branch. He's our picker. I I didn't call him out. So thank you for picking this. Um, He is going to be coming back, too, for uh, Bayonetta 2. That's another one of his picks, actually. Yeah. So he's really... He he was basically like, cover every Platinum Games title before you hit number 100. That was his his order. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. That's the end of this episode. You want to close it up? Bye. That'll be it. Bye. Let's let's slide out of here.